Hi, I'm Manu Entereme, Icheb from Star Trek Voyager and the executive producer of The Circuit Urbiesa, and you're listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Hello, and welcome to another super-secret edition of Neil Before Pod. I'm your host, Craig McKenzie, and it's time for us to take you back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe to talk about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 5. The show went on a brief hiatus recently at the conclusion of the opening arc of the season, and we're here to talk about it. Joining me at the cheaper end of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is Agent Chris. Hello. 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 I guess that makes me Director Craig. Director Craig. Assistant Director Craig. Assistant Director I don't know. Yeah, well, well, you know, proper the proper director of field always gets demoted and thrown out, and there's always some or random that gets horribly. put above you. Yeah, or, or murdered horribly. <laughs> so I think you want to be assistant director. Yeah, yeah, or 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 one of the many brothers, Craig. That, that's also possible. Like a selection of multiple Craigs, because there's no way that one Craig could possibly get all the work that the Craig I know gets done. <laughs> Mm, you've uncovered my secret. Damn it! Now yeah. you must be killed. Oh, right. Okay, just, I, I just, totally don't believe that. Honest. Just watch out for prams the next time you go out. <laughs> Death by pretend child. That's okay. how I do it. Well, yeah. There's worse ways to go. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot worse. Better, but worse. I could have uh, balls thrown in my face. You could. Or I don't know. All sorts and of not things. the usual fun kind. <laughs> Whoa. Almost have to bleep that. Dodgeball I'm talking about, obviously. Uh, okay. What the hell were you thinking about? <laughs> um, things I would have to bleep. Yeah. No. It's not <laughs> Natalie you're editing. No, that's true. But she's due to crash in any time now. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I don't watch the show. <laughs> Please tell me. Yeah, so what, what happened this season? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what happened ever since season one. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> I saw the first episode. What's happened since that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be that would be horrible. Uh, as far as I know, Natalie's not cameoing in this podcast, although she does have access to the TeamSpeak server, so there's no reason why she yeah. wouldn't just turn up. Hello, Natalie, if you're listening, please feel <laughs> free to gate crash podcast because I've not seen you in ages. Hiya. Yeah. Which there she won't be because it's Agents of Shield and probably doesn't watch it. But anyway, we do. We watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which uh, five years ago some people would have laughed at us for, and now people still laugh at us for it, but we don't care. So, uh, I've been watching since the beginning. Have you been watching since the beginning? Uh, yes. Yes, I have. Because um, originally when it sort of popped up on Channel 4, it was running sort of concurrent with the US, really. It was like a day after or something, I think. And it got quite a bit of PR when it first launched. So, yeah, I've, I've been watching since the start. And what have you thought since the start? Were you on the uh, the very much the this show is crap bandwagon, or how do you have a more reserved opinion? I at first thought it wasn't as good as I hoped it would be, and then it was only by the sort of mid season reveal once it tied in with the events of um, Captain America 
the Winter Soldier for yeah. Two, so for yeah, the Winter the Winter Soldier film. But once it tied into that, you could kind of understand why it went into a holding pattern for a number of weeks, because its key developments were essentially: uh, you're not going to get to see any of this yet. We can't show this yet. We can't do anything yet. What do we do? Or oh, we do another episode where we sort of skirt around the issue for a bit. And then suddenly it was it was there, and I, I thought the latter half was quite good, which has been almost a staple of Shield seasons. Strangely enough, that the first bit hasn't quite been as good, and then it ramps up towards the end into something quite interesting, which I think the mold is kind of broken with this one. Maybe, maybe it'll be good throughout. I don't know. Maybe um, I've always liked the show in one way or another. I mean, season one wasn't especially strong. Especially in the beginning, it was kind of it was better in the second half. Kind of once Civil War kicked in, and well, they tanked the premise of the show. If you think about it, <laughs> it's like ah, oh, we're doing a TV show about Shield. Oh, Shield no longer exists. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The um, I think uh, some of the cast were apparently annoyed about that. Uh, the fact that you've just killed our show, but they didn't because we're here four years later and it's still on somehow. Uh, I've always liked it. I like the characters. I like Coulson. Um, I like the way they changed things up a bit. The the Ward character when he was about was particularly interesting. The way he kind of flip-flopped throughout all the seasons. Uh, Bobby, when she was around, was good. It got better as it went on. And I think once they stopped like trying to name-drop the MCU every week, it got a lot better. You know, where, where every week there'd be a... So I was saying to Tony Stark, you know, <laughs> it's like um, it's like that com- it's like that conductor at that show we were at on Friday that. No one else about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, jokes that you don't get unless you were there. Um, but yeah, we were at I, a music of Star Wars show. Uh, it was pretty good, and the conductor was a serial name dropper. That's all you need to know. So that, that's what Coulson does in this show. Where he's like, so I was saying to Captain America. It's like, no, you weren't. He doesn't talk to you. Yeah, I, I, they all think you're dead. It's um, <laughs> it's um, it's one of those. It's I I kind of agree with you actually. I think once they decoupled a bit from the MCU, it was given room to breathe. I don't know if the writers were kind of tied in with, oh, you've got to have them in London for the end of Thor: The Dark World, doing this clear up at the beginning of that episode. And That's it means what they're you, doing. It's it means you, like yeah, crap. They were <laughs> literally brushing up in London, and 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 it was all sort of uh, previewed as coming up. They're going to be, you know, in the next episode, tied into Thor: The Dark World. See Thor: The Dark World, and you won't understand a thing going on in next week's Engines of Shield. And then you watch it, and they're just like brushing up in London. And you're like, I pretty much would have got that. <laughs> this could have been done by any shield team. Yeah. Yeah. They get the best shield team in to with their mop and broom to tidy up after four. Um but it was yeah, I I feel that there was little bits where they were like, Oh right, we've got to mention what's happened in this film now because this film's happened and once they kinda went right, we're gonna just pretend the other universe doesn't exist pretty much. Yeah, although there's some good little references. Um like for instance when it's Coulson's team that get a hold of the information that leads the Avengers to Strucker's base in Age of Ultron. Like, you don't need to know that to make Age of Ultron work, but it's a nice little bit of detail. And it gets you a bit more Maria Hill, which is always good. You know, where she showed up in, I think it's three, maybe four episodes she's turned up in now. Um, yeah, I think it's nicer when they do it on the smaller scale. They don't do the blatantly obvious. I've had a helicarrier in my basement for a couple of years. 
What? <laughs> <laughs> that, that Age of Ultron twist where Fury turns up with a helicarrier, one thing I was thinking was, where do they get that? And thankfully, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has the answer, whether you like it or not. <laughs> no, when Nick Fury has something, I'm like, that's fine, he's Nick Fury, he's got it. I don't need to know how he got it. The, the, what, Nick Fury. It was the rolling line of Nick Fury secret bases that I particularly loved. <laughs> was, oh, we're in one of Nick Fury's secret bases. And then they're like, oh, base is destroyed. Where are we going to go now? Well, have no fear. Nick Fury's new secret base. <laughs> it's like, there's a whole line of them. Like, I, I really do hope that if they reveal stuff coming up to Infinity War that Captain America has been hiding in yet another one of uh, Nick Fury's secret bases around the world. He's like a, a buy-to-let property manager. <laughs> you know, just can't ever have too many secret bases. Yeah, the red know. premiums off the chart these days. You know, just gotta gotta keep those secret bases going, just in case the, your other secret base that is secret from the other secret base with the secret base next door is definitely secret. Yeah, but they all have a built-in. Um, what's his name? Koenig. They've got, they've got their own Koenig, and they've all, they've all got a roof that can retract far enough to fit in a massive spy plane thing. You know, a Boeing jet can land inside. <laughs> yeah, it's useful. Definitely very useful. Yeah, um, these aren't small uh, secret bases. These are very large secret bases. Yeah. And you could do worse by having your own Patton Oswald, like cleaning up, you know, uh, washing the windows, although there are no windows because it's a secret base. They've mm. got, like, these weird, uh, you know, Back to the Future... Two style um, vistas, you know, hol- <laughs> that are projected onto a screen that give you the illusion of outside. So that's all good. Although I think their l- most recent base, before they got arrested and stuff, was um, was an old SSR base, which is you know pre shield, which is Agent Carter type stuff, which is quite cool. I don't know. It's all sorts of little references to the MCU, kind of. And the Marvel comics exist in these little things. They did them, um, you know, they did the hidden barber shop thing, where they sat in a chair and then they got lowered down into a, a secret base underneath. All that good stuff. Uh, yeah, I've liked this show since the beginning. I mean, I've kept watching it, even when I wasn't necessarily enjoying it fully. I was always getting something out of it. Um, I think at times its humour is a bit off the off the reservation. It's not hugely funny most of the time. Um, even though it was trying to be, and I think early on it suffered from too many jokes, but they've kind of tempered that somewhat in later seasons. Sometimes too far in the other direction. Yeah, I think sometimes they've you hit the nail on the head there a little bit. Is it they do sort of go, oh, we're going to go for the funny bone for this one, and then oh, we've got to try and go serious again. Oh, how do we change gears? Oh, we can't clunk, and it just it doesn't quite. It, it doesn't quite gel sometimes. Other times they hit it bob on and it's it's a good laugh. It's, it, it is, the show is kind of the definition of hit and miss because there can be episodes in amongst amazing episodes that are not that great. There can be other ones that are really stand out. It's, uh, I, I find it a right mixed bag a lot of the time. Yeah, and it's done good by its characters as well. For instance, Fitz and Simmons couldn't stand either of them for pretty much the entire first season. Wanted them, all to die, wanted them both to die horribly. Um, unfortunately, they wouldn't. They just kept coming. And eventually, they, they got to the point where they developed them to the stage they're at now, where I think they're some of the most interesting on the show. 
So good work there, turning the annoying characters into some of the best. Yeah, no, definitely. I'd, I've always had a soft spot for Fitz and Simmons, but like, like you, I agree they have they have come along a lot far away in the recent seasons. Tell you, Ward, uh, Ward showed great restraint by not murdering them in the second week, because <laughs> I would have, I'd have been like, I know I'm playing the long game here as a Hydra agent, but I'm just going to kill these guys. When I turn, you will be the first to die. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, and then you'll be second. <laughs> So yeah, um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we're not in the hater camp, which is good, because we're not here to hate on a show. We don't seem to hate on anything on these podcasts. We kind of nitpick, but we don't hate. Listen to the Inhumans podcast for why Craig is not being truly serious. (laughs) Hey, I was trying to find good things to say about it. You didn't try hard enough. (laughs) It didn't try hard enough. (laughs) That's another thing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. does. It does better by Inhumans. They, they managed to do more in a single episode than Inhumans did in eight. Mm-hmm. And that's not their central premise. So, good work there. They, they gave us the Inhumans, which weirdly have never been mentioned outside of this show. And the Inhumans show. You know, there's no MCU film that's ever mentioned Inhumans, which is a bit strange. They're just ignoring it. They're like, nah. That's we'll just pretend they're not there. Yeah. Unless they, unless they turn up in Infinity War, because let's face it, everyone's in Infinity War. Except the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. Except the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast, uh, <laughs> the, the Defenders, defenders. Uh, or the Inhumans. Yeah. yeah. Or um, the Runaways. Or the Runaways, yeah, yeah, they're not allowed there. If yeah. Professor X turns up uh, and Deadpool, then we'll be fine. It should be okay, yeah. So, season five... We're on the fifth season, which is amazing. And they went to space. Because, as one of the characters said, it's the one thing they haven't done yet. I I love that line. (laughs) That's not a spoiler. It was in a trailer. Yeah. Space. I suppose we haven't done that yet. I like like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, without spoiling the first half of the season, uh, what did you think of this arc? This outer space arc? I liked it. I think there were elements of it that I found a bit strange, and I'll go into that uh, once we go into the spoiler section. But overall, I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, Because it being set in space, it was kind of a bit different. It got you away from um, a lot of the sort of political storylines that you've had in the the previous season, where it was like, oh, we're against S.H.I.E.L.D., we're not against S.H.I.E.L.D., we've got all this subterfuge and everything. It kind of got into a good sort of escape plot really um yeah so i i think it it sort of flourished a little bit by by being set the way it was yeah it was a very bleak setting for reasons that we'll get into once we descend into spoilers um and visually it could be a bit dull because it is another procession of dimly lit corridors and kind of grayish brownish backdrops um, although some amazing CGI to make up for it, um, which is interesting. Uh, it was a diff- As I said, it was completely different to what anything they'd done before. The, it tested the characters in interesting ways. It built a mystery very well that kind of still has us guessing by the end of it, which is nice. So it's not clear how the rest of the season's going to go yet. But there's a lot of, a lot of little hints here and there as to what might happen. So... I'm encouraged. I think I don't know if it's been the show's best first part of the season or not. I mean, 
I guess it, I'd have to think about what the other seasons did. And I can only think as far back as Ghost Rider last season, which I thought was awesome. I loved Ghost Rider, but um, I can't think any further back than that, really. So, yeah, we'll say it's one of the best uh, first arcs. So, without spoiling anything, I don't have much else to say. I also have very little to say before the spoiler section. Cool. Are we ready to just head into that spoiler section? Go through the monolith into the spoiler section? Oh, is that how we're getting there? I wondered how we were going to get there. Okay, well, through the mo- through the monolith it is. It doesn't have a distinctive noise, but like... It just kind of sloshes around, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, monoliths. That's how they get around in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So that's it. Through the monolith we go. Now we have entered the spoiler section. It's very strange here. It's very dark. It's full of giant aliens that we call roaches. It's not pleasant at all. Um, Obviously a TV show lives or dies on its characters. Uh, What do you think of how they handled the characters in this part of the season? The core cast were made up at the beginning of Coulson, May, Simmons... Uh, Mac and Elena and that was it or Yo-Yo, whichever you want to call her uh, when I'm reviewing it I call her Elena I'm very much a proper name sort of person when I'm reviewing stuff How very formal of you I know but, um, so there was almost a reduced cast because the first mystery was where the hell is Fitz um, yeah I mean well, the, the, first, uh, the first mystery was oh who's here who's here and where are they uh, which I quite liked because for the first episode, pretty much, you're, you're trying to figure out, going, oh, who's who's there and where's that person and have they all made it? Has people arrived ahead or behind or, you know, it was, uh, no, it was really good how they sort of split them all up from the very beginning. So it was, uh, yeah, they're sort of discovering the world at the same time as you are. Yeah, I think it did that really well in the, the first episode where, you learn at the same pace as the characters do, and all the kind of reveals are, at the, you know, at, at the same time the characters are learning them, which is good. And I think they managed to avoid exposition quite nicely. You have all these characters who are um, speaking, saying things without without just explaining the plot to you or explaining the situation to you. They all live there, so they don't really feel the need to fill anybody in on it. But they'll answer like some questions, you know the. Where, what's going on here? And it's like, well, you're just here. You know, that was a roach. And like, what the hell's a roach? And it's like, oh, well, we don't have time <laughs> to explain that. But it kind of, yeah, it gives you information, drip feeds you information in a way that, that that feels like you're getting enough, but without without expositing it to you, which I always hate exposition because it's just, let's sit down for five minutes as I tell you everything that's going on. <laughs> like, and that's something that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was very guilty of in the beginning as well. You know, show don't tell is one of the first rules of writing, and they seem to have got the hang of showing you stuff rather than telling you stuff. At least for the most part. No, I think the early reveals were all handled pretty well. I liked uh, the fact that they sort of split people up, put them outside their comfort zone. You had, uh, you know, May appears and she's sort of impaled on on a bit of piping. Which was just, you know, looked absolutely horrific. Uh, but she manages to sort of 
soldier on in the way that she does. Uh, Coulson sort of being separated out by himself uh, is good. It's uh, yeah, it was a nice sort of arrival to it because obviously all you'd been left with at the end of the last season was a little teaser with Coulson waking up in an asteroid field. Yeah, which turns out to happen in like the third episode. Yeah, yeah, um, and the reveal that of course it's Earth. You know the. The, they're actually just on Earth in a space station. Well, I suppose it's a an Earth station. Or it reveals later it was kind of built inside the Earth, but once it cracked open, it was a space station that kind of surrounded by the destroyed remnants of the Earth, which may or may not have been destroyed by Daisy, which is interesting. Not da, Thanos. Da, da. Daisy. <laughs> yeah, definitely not Thanos. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that'd be brilliant. Agency Shield, massive spoiler for uh, Infinity War. <laughs> all this, all this time, people have spent waiting for Infinity War. It turns out Thanos won, cracked the Earth in two. <laughs> Roll <amazing>. credits. <laughs> they didn't bother to mention the Avengers at all in the first part of the season. Like they were never mentioned. You know what happened to Tony Stark? Who knows? What happened to the Avengers? What happened to all these people? No one seems to care. Yeah, Earth, Earth was destroyed and none of them cared. They all they all flew away when with uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy to go <laughs> kick ass somewhere else. Yeah, they're all they're all off fighting Thanos on some faraway planet, and then they got back and it's like, oh, <laughs> there's no point in trying to defend the Earth. Yeah, <laughs> some stupid inhuman destroyed it. Oh. <laughs> so this is what happens when the Avengers take a coffee break. Yeah, but on those strong foundations, we shall build a new earth. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as long as the foundations are good. Yeah, I thought that was a cool reveal because it, it comes with the fact that they're in the future, which you later find out is about 75 years in the future, which is, again, interesting. But the an earlier episode, I believe it was season three, uh, yeah, I think it was three, established that in the MCU, at least as far as we know, time is unchangeable. So um, once they had that inhuman who could see the future, once someone saw their future, that was just what was going to happen. There was no way they could change it. So uh, in that season, you were just building up to those things happening rather than trying to prevent them. But this um, this season, they've got an inevitability that they may or may not be able to stop. I mean, obviously they will, because then you have no Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I don't think they're going to let Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. like destroy <laughs> the Earth. <laughs> They'll be like, yep, that's life now. That's what you get for... <laughs> that's what you get for for torpedoing our show and, uh, like, with, yeah. with the Winter Soldier. <laughs> you destroy our S.H.I.E.L.D., we destroy your planet. Uh, yeah. that's, uh, <laughs> your move, MCU. Um, yeah, I mean, I loved the reveal... First of all, oh my god, we're not just in space, miles and miles away from home. Home has been completely obliterated. It's not that we've jumped years into the future and we can just go back home and be a like, you know, sort of fish out of water living in the future. It's we are gone and home is completely eradicated. It's split into um I thought was a, a brilliant reveal and you know, part of the the charm of it is I'm all sort of discovering it at the same time and it's beginning to run up, run up and you start to try and guess it and you're like, oh, it's going to be the Earth, isn't it? They're already there. There's something wrong with the stars. What's wrong? Oh, it's in the future and Earth's gone. Yeah. Yeah. And then the central premise builds itself around the time loop 
you know, as in the they're stuck in this time loop that just won't ever change. And it starts with them coming to the future and then ends with them returning to the past to then cause the future. But it's been kind of confusing about that in some ways, like the episode where you see some flashbacks to the the end of the world or the, the aftermath of the end of the world. I kind of thought it was an alternate timeline where they never got sent to the future and it was what happened, but then um, they they have confirmed the, the fact that they do go back in time and then cause all this stuff. And um, which is... Which is quite interesting because, again, you've got this whole physics of it. The future is the future. It's fixed. It can't be changed. And everything they seem to be doing is heading to that point as well. So, now, obviously, I don't think the Earth's going to be destroyed. I mean, that's just... You just can't do that. But... So, ultimately, the timeline will have to be changed. But how? And, you know, it kind of... How do they go against their pre-established rules in order to make that happen? Yeah, this will be the one time that they break the break the loop. I don't know. Um, you know, the the hint that you get at the end of this is that Coulson is partly the reason, or at least that's what sort of Yo-Yo or future Yo-Yo suggests that it isn't in fact Daisy you need to be worried about. It's Coulson. Um, yeah, because he's dying and has to be allowed to die or something. It's all pretty cryptic. Yeah, it's like the fact that you try and save Coulson somehow then splits the earth into it. I don't know. Um, it either means that they're leading up to evil Coulson, who then does something that then somehow splits the world, or I don't know. Or he's got his nasty rash that seems to be killing him. Yes. God knows where he got that from. Yeah, maybe the big death monster things that were going about towards the end. <laughs> maybe. It's like in the Lost in Space film where Smith gets, cracked, gets scratched and then he turns into a spider. And yeah, goes, that's true. I've just referenced the Lost in Space movie, which has got to be... You, d- you deserve ten points for that, I would say, if we're keeping <laughs> a, a, a scoreboard of Neil Before Pod strange references in the middle of things <laughs> I think Lost in Space getting in there is uh, not, very just well the, not just Lost in Space, the movie the, the one that the movie. one has ever seen <laughs> or, no, or people that have seen refuse to admit that they've seen it <laughs> except me but, hey, I'm, the guy that was, on, yeah. I'm the guy that wasn't shy to admit that I liked Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when it was in its first season so whatever, like no shame here no, no, I, I watched it I'm, I'm not yeah, <laughs> yeah so Coulson's out of his element because he just doesn't know what's going on. Um, May is injured, which apparently was covering up, or not covering up, it was making use of the fact that the actress was actually injured in real life. So they just wrote it out of the story. Ah, that I didn't know. Yeah. I, I, I sort of skim-read an article the other week that mentioned that. Um, it doesn't really add anything, but at the end of the day it gave May something different to do because she couldn't rely on being kick-ass all the time. Just most of the time. But not all the time. Well, it gets rid, rid of the character's strength, you know, sort of the, well, the literal strength, but also the fact that, you know, that's what she is useful for, flying and being kick-ass, you know. Yeah. If, if you get rid of that, then, you know, she's she's sort of left out on, out on the limb a little bit. She's just the future mother figure for a uh, little premonition-seeing <laughs> girl. Yeah. Yeah, that was a weird development, and I, I do you know what? I kind of like it. I could see May doing that. 
after watching sort of the couple of flashbacks and things, I was like, you know what? Yeah, that would be a development for that character. I mean, the thing is, the whole you're watching all this going well. This is the time that they break the loop, and that doesn't happen, or does it? Inadvertently happen. She still becomes her mother in a way, but not in this dystopian future that we've got. Yeah, well, they still haven't cleared up what the old is it Robin? Yeah, it's Robin. Mm. She has the the little Robin thing. Yeah, what the old Robin said to May that might allow her to change something. They still haven't revealed what was whispered. Although As- the, the implication was that it was find flint or something like that. Yeah, find find Flint. He can pull the bits back together. Yeah, that's it. I'm off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I must die before I can tell you anything else. That's maybe useful. Yes. Yeah. Typical, just typical. But yeah, May as a mother figure is like it's kind of counter to what you would expect, and it's almost redemptive as well because she obviously killed that child way back in. I want to say season three as well when they did the flashback to the. The cavalry background story, um, where that human was awakened and she had to kill the kid because it was too dangerous, and that haunted her ever since. Uh, that's so her raising Robin or being a mother figure to Robin is the redemption for that, uh, which has to come sometime, I suppose. And there's still time for that to happen again. So that, I think that will play out massively in the the coming episodes. I think I think it's something that will still happen. I think there's an inevitability to some of the things that have been predicted here, and even if the core of the Earth isn't shattered into tiny pieces, I think they will still keep some of the developments that you've seen. Yeah, and I hope if they, they if they do diverge the timeline, which they will, um, I hope we get to see glimpses of the other timeline because I think the flashback episode didn't do enough to. To give you a picture of what's going on. I mean, it did this little thing about, Simmons is going to die. Where's Coulson? What happened to Mac? But you, it doesn't answer any of those questions. No, and it was it was very quick, the sort of glimpses you were getting. I'm sure if you were to go through sort of frame by, uh, frame, by frame or something, you'd be able to glean little bits and pieces from it. But they've purposefully shot and written that in a way that allows them flexibility if they want to do anything else. Yeah. I'm wondering if they were just planning it off a couple of characters over the next few episodes as well. I mean, the it looks like Simmons and um, Coulson and Mac are certainly up for the chopping block at this point, but whether they survive or not, I mean, it's all up in the air. We don't even know if it's getting a sixth season, so anything could happen. Well, the, the usual thing is a bit of a bait and switch, though, isn't it? In the future, you show one character dying, and then it turns out it's someone else that's going to die yeah. when they change the timeline. You know, they they do that quite a bit. Yeah. Plus, as Fitz and Simmons both establish, they have no luck, so something will will stop their engagement or stop them from getting married. I well know what these long engagements can be like. <laughs> Seventy-five years. These long, long engagements. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, Fitz and Simmons, their relationship is. I think it's probably a, it feels more real than any of the other relationships we've had in the show because as a couple it's not like every scene is devoted to them being a couple they're just kind of they just kind of are which I quite like and I, I always hate this let's draw attention to the fact that these pair and pair in a relationship and you know it, you have those moments because couples do need to have those moments but they're also just part of the cast as well so it's, it feels like a very real and very adult relationship for me. 
I think so. I mean, they're characters that they, they put together at the very, very, very beginning. And I don't know if this was ever the outcome that they wanted, but it seems to have developed very naturally through the way that they've been put together and the situations that they've been in. So I'm happy to see them developing as a couple. I think Fitzy's uh, sort of solo episode, for want of a better thing, was yeah, one was of awesome. my favourites, actually. I I really liked it. I think it was... It was a bit of uh, relief after being in the the sort of space station, the the lighthouse for all that time. Uh, it was kind of nice to go. Well, what is where is Fitz or where has Fitz been and how did he get there and what was going on in Earth during this time? And it was it was a great episode, and I think it gave that character a really good chunk of development. Yeah. I always like kind of off-format episodes and shows like this because every you know every episode, even though they change the format up, each episode did have that format. They're in space. They're trying to solve the problem. They're trying to deal with the Cree. That was the formula, the formula of the season. And then you have this episode that's almost like an old-school episode of the show. You know where you have the characters doing something, although it was only one of them, and then two of them. Um, bringing Hunter back for that was excellent. Uh, I always liked Hunter and it was great seeing him back after his quite emotional goodbye a couple of seasons ago. Mm. And the the fact that Bobby wasn't there was a good was was handled quite well, as in the yeah, we got sick of each other again and we're taking a little break. So like, yeah, that's exactly what was happening with those two. Fine. Yeah, and that's the way it works best kind of thing. And I, yeah. I like that. I thought I thought it was neat just the it the the Fitz prison break was kind of a thing for the whole the whole season has essentially been a prison break or the whole mid season yeah. anyway has been a prison break you know and then to see it happen on a micro scale with Fitz I think was uh, it was good you know it, it sort of worked out and I was like oh well obviously he's writing who who would be a character reading a football magazine you know or a soccer <laughs> magazine for the Americans you know who who would it be uh, and of course it would be um, so I thought yeah good good to see him back. Yeah, it was. Uh, I wonder if he'll come back um, in the next half of the season. I hope so. And I, I would hope so. I mean, he's he's now uh, rocking about in a shield jet, so you'd think you'd think so. Well, someone has to put the Zephyr in the place that it needs to be for the. Um, oh no, they don't, uh, because in the flashbacks back they're and flying the Zephyr. Now. Yeah, and Hunter's not there. Don't know dun, why. Dun, dun. Yeah. Um, Obviously, Bobby couldn't be around because she's also flying through space, although not in the same show. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't make a reference to that. So I don't know where she is. She could be in outer space for all I know. <laughs> Hilarious. The Orville, in case people don't know. She is the first officer slash wife of Seth MacFarlane in The Orville. Which got to be one of the, one of the most dazzling displays of wish fulfilment I've ever seen in a television show. I'm going to star in this TV show that I write and I'm going to cast this obscenely attractive woman as my wife. Job done. Or ex-wife. So when, when are you starting to write your uh, space-based uh, sci-fi show? <laughs> oh, I'm already thinking about the first line. <laughs> <laughs> Considering the first line, yeah. One of my twins is going to do it. No, one of my duplicates or whatever they are. Your, your many, many duplicates. Yeah. My many um, siblings. <laughs> Yeah, Fitz, Fitz, I think, uh, was one of my favourite characters that got... He's been one of my favourite characters from pretty early on, actually. But 
I think he's been given a lot, a lot of development in this. I liked how he just suddenly sort of turned up out the blue at the end of that episode. Nice surprise. The relationship with Simmons, um, I think it's developed really naturally, really well. I think she was given a little bit more to do this season in a way. Um, well, she was. I, I she spent a lot of it like, standing around silently. A, a lot of a lot of it standing around silently, but at least she was given a a role. I don't know what she would have done otherwise if she'd been female. I was kind of worried that they were either just going to kill her off, or she was going to be left just sort of going. Oh, I I will try and work the technology stuff, and didn't it, it sort of put her out out in a limb and took an asset away from the team. I, I see why they did it. But um, I, I like the the little sort of thing where he he stands there trying to uh, propose, essentially, yeah. and she can't hear him. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, and it, her being in that position kind of harkens back to when um, director Mace was um, kicking about, you know, where she was trying to climb the corporate ladder as quickly as possible to find out as much as she could. They... So Simmons' strength is from listening and paying attention and getting a read on the situation that way, which is what she thought she'd be able to do in, uh, you know, as one of Cassius's little woman and man slaves. Mm. Uh, but then he took away her ability to hear, which knackers that. And then she's just stuck there, being unable to hear anything, mm. or see, you know, and just dealing with blurred vision the whole time and just standing around looking pretty, which is possibly a reference to current political movements or anti-movements. I don't know. Does everything have to be about Donald Trump? I suppose it does. Donald Trump thinks so. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. So, later on the season, or later on, I mean, it's only 10 episodes long, but uh, so far, but she does get a bit more to do once she gets out of that position. Uh, The episode where she helps the Inhuman the young and human see her power or get used to her powers was very good. Just this little girl who, looks, who just didn't know what she was doing, didn't know how to control her abilities, and Simmons helps her do that. And then it results in her getting sold off into slavery. You know, <laughs> it's like, oh, great. And yeah, no, it was another one of those sort of how, how brutal and rubbish is as well. You're like, well, at least they're treating the inhumans a lot better. They're getting sent away to, you know. To, to study and such. No, no, they're going into slavery. Oh. Yeah. And that episode does more with an inhuman character than the inhuman show did in the eight, eight episodes. Which is just... It just shows you how ineptly plotted that show was versus this one. Um, and they did some other good stuff. I mean, the, the Ben character, uh, he was good. The one who could read minds and was also kick-ass martial artist. You know, who was yes. essentially... Um, what's his name? I'm blanking on his name. The Inhuman. The the, the marijuana farming Inhuman. I forget his name. Oh, yeah, that one. It wasn't Gorgon, it was the other one. Yeah, the other one. Aye. I need to look this up now. Karnak. Karnak. Oh, there yes. you go. I didn't even have to look it up. Look at that. Uh, time skipping editing wasn't needed there. Uh, Honest. Yeah, so he's basically Karnak <laughs> because he can like read people's movements and then counter them. You know, so uh, they did a better job of Karnak than Karnak did, which is ridiculous. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. should not be a better Inhumans show than the Inhumans, but it is. No, I thought he was he was done really well. I sort of like the fact that they managed to convince him, you know, by sort of 
I'm not thinking happy thoughts, but so it's, they're going, please don't tell anyone. Please don't tell anyone yeah. we know each other. Please don't tell anyone we know each other. Yeah. Sort of worked out. I, it was a shame that the, the character got kind of taken out, but yeah. He served his purpose, though. It wasn't. This, that is true. Yeah. Like, that's one thing this season so far has been about it's economy of characters. Where it's just, okay, we don't need this guy anymore. There's no point in paying for him to stand around the background anymore. Off with his head, practically. But the, although I don't know if you actually see his head severed. He does die, though. Um, which is, it is what it is. But the, the, the way he and Daisy had different views on, you know, on the whole slavery aspect. As in, they were both against it, but he was resigned to it. There's nothing I can do about it. And she's like, yeah, there is. You know, we can we can fight back, and it's like, no, we're the only reason we're alive is because we haven't fought back. Uh, everyone's just kind of beaten at the submission, and that's what the whole prophecy of the Agents of Shield is supposed to be about. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, everyone's sort of been taken down a peg. I mean, that's the one. The I'm going to say the one thing I don't understand, but there's a few bits where you're sort of like, how did the world get to this point? without there being a proper uprising or an uprising where people could stand up because they don't make it look easy, but it almost comes across as such. It's a, it's a unconquerable, you know, unconquerable odds up until now where it's all working. Yeah, it's all fine. We can, we can take everyone down now. We've got an escape plot. It's fine. Well, they had the wrist thingies and the implants that suppress inhuman powers, so everyone was pretty screwed, all told. But they also had the machine that can remove the implant thingies. Uh, I don't think they actually had that early on. Well, they had it down in the the guy that they get, not sold to, but sort of trade themselves for in order to get an implant put in. Yeah. Has a machine that can take them in and out. That's how they get them out uh, towards the end. They're in his workshop and they take them out using the machine he used to put them in. But then so they did have a machine that could take the yeah. uh, the implants out. But then he kept that machine and he was very much in the pocket of Cassius and so on. Yeah, so, I suppose so. Yeah, the the thing is, the Kree are pretty overwhelming in terms of numbers and they've, they've built in like population control as in they grow their own kids to turn into humans and all this stuff. Um, so it's pretty bleak. I like the Kree, uh, seeing the Kree all blue and strong. That was cool. And them tying back the whole their blood has resurrection powers for other species was interesting as well. The fact that they used that a couple of times. Like to bring Tess back and with future Elena, she was like killed and resurrected like a lot over the 75 years, which is again bleak, grim and horrible to contemplate. A brutal way of doing it. I mean, I, I I thought when Tess was brought back that they had brainwashed her in some way as well. But it no, seemed like they just had just zonked. brought her back to life. It was like, yeah, they had, they had brought her back to sort of convince them that Cassius was a god, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I liked Tess. And when she was killed, I was disappointed because I thought she had a lot more to give. I really liked her scene with Coulson and whatever the first episode she appeared in was, where they go into her room and it's full of all this, all this tat from the past. And it's a lot like Colton's office on the the first plane. You know, it's full of like old school collector collectible stuff. So it's it's almost like she's she's similar in a way, and and they can bond over that. There was more they could have done with that. I think her kind of 
idealistic, looking at the past for inspiration type personality, but they didn't do anything with it and they just kind of killed her and then resurrected her. It was a lot of characters to introduce. It was a lot of bringing in new stuff that you're, you're going to be with and I think that underserved some of them and she was definitely a character we'd like to have seen a little bit more of. Yeah. And I was the same as you when she, she got killed. I was like, oh no, I actually quite liked her and then uh, I was glad when they brought her back. It was good. I would have liked to see a little bit less of Deke. Deke had good episodes and bad episodes. From his introduction, I thought, oh, this is the low-budget version of Star-Lord. <laughs> and complete um, with a helmet. Complete with helmet and everything. It was it was one of those, like, oh, the, the foot are not quite Star-Lord in here. And, yeah, he was... I, I didn't understand the betrayal much I get that they had to find a way of getting Daisy captured and doing all that but his betrayal simply for a coin kind of thing didn't wash with me, the excuse he gave didn't wash they didn't return or revisit his sort of little virtual world thing that he was running, his little racket that's how he was he was earning his keep Yeah, and they, they sort of visit it once, Daisy sort of pops in once, and then there's no mention of that again for the whole the whole thing. I thought that was going to tie in at some point, and they just seemed to forget about it and move on. Yeah. Uh, his sacrifice was good, though. I think that was earned because they'd done a bit of work on his parents, and the whole they believed in this prophecy that was actually just... Well, it was a prophecy in the sense of it was telling the future, but it was actually just telling the future. So it all depends how you interpret it, I suppose. But the the fact that his parents believed in it and he really didn't, and then he was faced with this op- he was faced with this opportunity to prove himself, and he kind of rose up to the challenge and sacrificed himself as he needed to. And the whole idea that he started seeing what good people really were. There was that conversation I had with Daisy when he wouldn't let her sacrifice herself. And he was like, you know, the world needs people that can be, that can do nothing but be good. Um, there's also the bit about where he holds a gun and says, you shouldn't get to have one of these unless you're a really good person. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Me sort of quit back going, oh, there should be a law about that. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was very, very nearly that. He had a few, he had a few good lines. He had some really good scenes. He had bits that were great. And it, it was just, yeah, a character of two halves, really. Sacrifice at the end, I think, kind of won him back. Whether that, whether we will see him again or not, considering he was there in front of a bit of the monolith, yeah, um, is to be seen. But I, I think the character will pop up again if, if we're if we're going for some prediction things. And I wouldn't I, be surprised if he turned out to be an, a, a descendant of Fitz and Simmons or something like that. Oh. There you go. Uh, I don't think it will be the case, but it's not impossible. Yeah, why not? But um, yeah, I, I think we will see him again. If if there's one of the characters that's transferred over, I think he will pop up. They'll wait yeah. a good few episodes to make a surprise appearance, but yeah, I think he will uh, crop yeah. up somewhere. And I quite like. I mean, they obviously established that there might be an, an inescapable time loop, but the thing is, the the loop is essentially broken depending on what perspective you take because you see Tess and Flint with all the survivors and the the lighthouse has been dealt with, you know, Cassius is dead 
Um, there aren't, you know, there's a real chance to fight back and survive, and the implication that Flint can put together the entire Earth, which, <laughs> is, a bit, which is a bit much, I think, but whatever, it's a hopeful future. But the idea that even if this timeline does happen, there is hope that it continues, you know, it yeah, continues I, in a more positive light. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I hope it's not the last we see of them. It probably will be, but... Uh, yeah, I, I like the idea that Flint's maybe going to try and pull something back together. I don't think the, I don't think the whole Earth is possible, but you can imagine that they could do a really good landscaping job. Um, but it's like the but, flat yeah. earthers are finally right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, but yeah, he, I, yeah, he might he might be able to to do something. I don't know. Well, we will likely never find out. No, I, I don't. I don't think we will. But the the idea, I suppose, is that even if they fix the timeline in the next loop, this is like a separate future that will continue on. You know, the future where they didn't succeed. Yeah, could happen. Uh, I don't know, but I just like that it has that kind of yeah. They managed to free all the humans. It wasn't that they just forgot about them and ignored them. It's like a better version of when the the Flash did the. You know what? I'm going to change this timeline, but I'm going to bring together the team anyway, just because you know for something to do. And well, I'm here. <laughs> it feels like it feels earned because they had to help people in order to get to where they needed to be. Like they couldn't have they couldn't have got back to their own time without helping everyone out. And there's also the fact that Mac has pretty much tunnel vision when it comes to these things. Whereas, like, I see people in trouble. Therefore, I must help them. I don't give a crap about your changing the timeline stuff. I'm just going to help these people. There was a little bit at the beginning where I'm like, why do you keep doing all the wrong things of <laughs> let's make ourselves really obvious. Let's, you know, let's just start killing everyone. And uh, let's make it really obvious that we don't have these little bracelets on that everyone else appears to be wearing. Oh, dear. And then that's it. You know, they're, <laughs> they're just sort of sit standing there going, oh, and half of us have been <laughs> captured and half of us have split up and the other half are sort yeah. of slaving away on this ship. Brilliant. I really liked the episode where like Daisy was trying to get down to save Simmons and she was just she was just creatively trying to defeat Cree and find her way down and things like that. Uh, I really love the bit where she's in the elevator and she's holding on to the ceiling, you know, but kind of like bracing herself with her with her arms and her her hands and her feet. And then like there's two Cree standing in front of her and she slips a bit and says, "I really thought that would work." Or something like that. <laughs> It's a shame you don't get to see much of Daisy's funny side very often, you know, as that often, which is a shame because it's, like I've just said, uh, she's, the actress is very funny. I've seen that in interviews and stuff. She's a very, very funny person. And it's a shame that, I keep saying that word, it is a pity that the Daisy character doesn't get to be more prone to levity, like she was when she was called Sky. Yeah, well, she was given. She's been given a few tough storylines, good storylines, yeah. but tough storylines for the character. So it would be a bit jarring for her to be cracking jokes, you know. Yeah. But I, I like you say, I, I did like the few gags that she got this season. Her, the way that she saw May as a mother, you be the stern curfew before nine, whatever, no TV before nine, whatever type mother. <laughs> that was good, you know, just the the delivery of that. Uh, but obviously she has to deal with the fact that she might have the power to destroy the world, which she says she's not that powerful, and I'm inclined to think that she ain't that powerful. There'll be something else at work, because it's very careful about not telling you what actually happened. 
It's like, this was the last anyone saw of her. And the next thing you know, an earthquake ripped the world apart. Yeah, there's a lot of assumptions in there. And it's, like I said earlier on about, you know, sort of showing that some characters aren't there or are maybe dead or whatever. It's, I, I always think it's a bait and switch type thing. As soon as they said, oh, Daisy destroys the world, I was like, well, you know, we can now guarantee that it's not Daisy that destroys the world. It's obviously going to be something else. And either Daisy's, Daisy was there to try and stop it or, you know, it ends up happening. We all know what really happened. She runs off to fight Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, 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 he's not here yet. He'll be here next month. Right now we have this world-ending threat to take care of that the Avengers don't seem to give a crap about. The final Infinity Stone was hidden in the middle of the planet, so Thanos ripped it to his apart <laughs> to find it. That's what happened. Absolutely. Although they keep bringing up the Gravitonium, which is way, way old school in terms of a, in terms of the, the show. Third episode was where it appeared, where they introduced Dr. Franklin Hall, who becomes the villain called Graviton. He's essentially Magneto, mm. but with gravity. Gravitonium uh, has got to be next to an obtainium of uh, obvious names, hasn't it? Yeah, well, it, it does what it says in the tin, to be fair. Um, I think that it, it's possible that Franklin Hall will return as Graviton, although that's a bit of a obscure reference, even for fans of the show. Hey, remember this guy you saw in one episode of the show? He's back. <laughs> I've got to be honest, I'd need to Google him in order to remember. Yeah, it was the third episode, so you could just rewatch it. It's actually not a bad episode, as as I recall. I haven't seen it in a long time, but yeah. Um Basically what happens is he gets he falls into the his own substance and then there's a post credit scene where you see him his hand reaching out at the end implying that he's become Graviton. But it was Kind of above agents, or he was above agents of Shield's pay grade in terms of power level. Bef- at that point, now they've got humans and stuff. It's all to play for, but he is one of the more powerful beings in the Marvel universe in the comics. Anyway, I will take your word for it. Yes, he's a. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's what's going to happen though, because it's too obscure. I think uh, Daisy will have something to do with with the end of the world. Whether it be her or whether it be someone else with a similar power set or whatever else. I don't know. And I'm excited to find out. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what are your what are your thoughts on the whole timeline, time loop concept and, and how they've executed it so far? Um, I think they've managed to do a good job of kind of highlighting that everything is going to happen the way it did happen before. Like, the Elena times two conversation was quite interesting because she was like, I've heard all these words before, and she flip-flops between, maybe it can change too. Nah, it can't. Just, like, enjoy the time you have left with Mac, and it's all hopeless. How how, how do we know this isn't the first loop? Uh, well, that's the paradox, isn't it? There is no first loop. Yeah, well, that that's that's the thing. I mean... It's like our, our our line is oh I've I've as I'm saying the words I realise that I heard them when I was standing there yeah and you think okay but we don't know how many times this has gone round it's not like there's a character there going oh my god I can't believe this has happened again and again but you know that they go back you know that they end up on the plane again and right back at the beginning and you even know that um. Yo-Yo at that point 
will zip off knowing that she's about to get captured by Cassius. That's what yeah. I don't I don't quite get is if she's had this conversation. It's her when May and that's going. We've got to work with them. We've got to stay hidden. And she goes, no, no, no. I'm going to go off, and off she goes and gets captured, knowing that she's going to get captured. Well, there's the unexplained side of the paradox as well, where characters know what's going to happen, but try and change it anyway. And it's the mm. act of trying to change it that therefore causes it. So what would have happened if they never knew about it? What choice would they have made if they didn't know about it? But the problem with time loops is you risk the characters having no agency within the plot. And I don't think that's happened here, in fairness. I actually think that each of the characters, they're making choices as if they didn't know what was going on. This is what Coulson would do in this situation. This is what Elena does in this situation. This is how Mac behaves in this situation. It just so happens that this is how he always behaves in this situation. And it just loops round and round and round. But it's not like the future knowledge is making them think differently in any way. You know, no, I, I, think, I think you're right there. It's not, and for a large portion, they don't know that they're in a time loop either. So the decisions that they've made haven't been affected by yeah. it whatsoever. And then every decision they're making is ignoring the time loop anyway, because they're all about we need to go back in time and change this. And the thing is, you've even got the the attempts to prevent it, such as Daisy saying, "I'll stay here. If I'm here, I can't destroy the world." Valid. Yes. And then Coulson's like, no, I'm going to knock you out and bring you with us. You know, and it's um, so this is a choice that Coulson makes because he's an emotional being who's connected to Daisy in a very profound kind of fatherly way. But he knows rationally, he knows that the world might end if she comes with them. Um, but I guess arrogantly he thinks, nah, I'll find a way to fix that in the future, you know, or his future. Um so that, that's the thing. Coulson still makes that decision, even though it's counter to the decision that would potentially save them all. You know, sacrifice Daisy, everyone's fine. Potentially. Yeah, I mean, it's there's so many points. I mean, even even the sort of uh, ill-fated uh, murder attempt to try and prevent it, you think... If that happened, would that stop the loop? Maybe, maybe it won't. I mean, we won't really find out until, let's face it, probably the last or the second last episode of the season, um, whether they prevent it or not. Yeah, unless they do this, um, unless they do this thing where they're like, "Oh no, it's like that thing that they said at that point." You know, <laughs> oh no, it's all happening just according to the way it's supposed to happen. I think that's going to happen a few times over the next few episodes. So yeah, it, I think I think there will be some of those obvious scenes going, oh my God, look, it's just like this drawing or just like this phrase that she said back then. And oh no, it's all, it's all coming true. It's all coming true right up until the last minute. I mean, where we have seen examples of that and uh, for part of the Neil Before podcast drinking game, uh, <laughs> we saw that a lot, a lot, a lot was during The Flash uh, where you're getting, oh, it's all happening exactly as this thing said it would happen. Oh no, it yeah. means we can't prevent it. So we've we've seen we've seen things like this before. There's really obvious tropes to do. There's a few different bits and pieces that they could do. Um, hopefully they go the path less travelled, but you never know. And of course, Robin will be there. Yes, uh, presumably. Yeah. Anyway, uh, she's in that facility with Enoch, I guess. So will Enoch be back? Uh, so. I liked Enoch. Maybe, yeah. With, maybe. His, with his flat delivery of everything. I like that. At first, the character I didn't like very much. 
I think mainly because I thought, oh, this is a bit of a cop-out of what I thought it was going to be from the end of the last season, the character mm-hmm. from the end of the last season, but uh, I grew to really like him. I, I I thought there was some really funny lines there. The bit where he's saying, oh, this plan won't work, the chances are, you know, it's a million chances to one kind of thing. And then going, at the very end, a very sound plan indeed. I just thought it was <laughs> in, the, in the very flat, like you say, flat delivery. Great. And it was weird, like, May's hatred of him. He was like, shut up, Metal Man. He's like, actually, I'm mostly plastic. <laughs> and, you know, the the actor, Joel Stoffer, I think his name is, he was very good at that sort of robotic, but almost passionate delivery. You know, it was that, that almost... It's almost like having Data around, you know, from, from Star Trek, for those who don't know who Data is. Uh, it's a kind of... Yeah, he has no emotion, but there is some attempt at mimicking the emotion in his voice, at least. You know, that's that very subtle, you know, that's a very subtle performance that stops him just being a speaking clock. Yeah, there's still, you know, there's not emotion in his performance, but there is, you know, it is there still. I get I get what you're saying. And the funniest thing about the um, the present day stuff uh, that will be coming is there'll be two Fitzies, although one of them's in like cryosleep. Oh, that's true. That's one way to change the future. Just go wake the other one up. Different day already. And start start telling them things that are going to happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well. Okay. It's an <laughs> option. It's an opt out option. Yeah. Although it would be one of those. I could see them doing it where they wake the other fits up and they've got two fitsies for a while and then they. He puts himself in cryo sleep or something like that again, and it's like, ah, oh dear, it's it's all happening as it did before. And that's the kind of thing they could do. They could try to keep subverting expectations like that, and then keep building up the tension by having stuff keep playing out the way that it did before. So that's why I'm thinking that flashbacks or flash forwards to what happens following the, the destruction of Earth might be uh, interesting because they can. They can talk about the stuff that they will then see in the in the main show. I suppose so, yeah. You just hope it doesn't come down to, oh, we put our nose in Fitzy's pocket and he'll arrive. Or... And if Enoch's still there, surely they could just tell him. Yeah, well, Enoch does bugger off at some point with Fitz. I don't know whether... It's not established whether he spends the 75 years in space or not. Well, you'd you know, think he would leave at some point, yeah. But he did promise to look after Robin and his, her mother as well. So he has to get all that in place. But then you would think, you know, in the future we'd be able to go, now here's exactly what happens. It turns out it wasn't Daisy, it was, you yeah. know. So he has to leave before the destruction of Earth. Yeah. And maybe by the time they get back to the present, he's already put his, like, caring mechanism in place and has buggered off well the caring the caring mechanism would you would think be shield or coulson and may and all that because you know that she's with them when the the zephyr crashes yeah although you don't know if they return at the moment that fits left or not well it seems like time as time was moving on in the future time was moving at the same pace parallel if you know what i mean yeah that's what it seemed like to me. Yeah, although with Fitz, he's... Is it about a year or something like that? He's cutting about? Yeah, it was like nine months or something like that. I can't yeah. remember exactly. Yeah. Like six months or so, yeah. 
I don't know, but we'll soon find. Well, it's second of March; it returns, so that's um, something to look forward to. Uh, the time loop is confusing. Uh, I was sitting there writing reviews about it, just racking my brains, trying not to muddle up my wording, and uh, don't know that it succeeded some of the time. But uh, I, I did think of um, several ways that. It makes sense if the the loop preserves itself, and it and it doesn't. It almost doesn't make sense to change it because it does shatter their time travel rules. But it, they have to change it because Agents of Shield doesn't exist in a vacuum. It exists in a widespread cinematic universe that kind of depends on an Earth being intact for its summer movies. Uh, yes, that would be an essential. Yeah, imagine you get to like. I don't know, whatever, the next Spider-Man film, and it starts off and it's like a post-apocalyptic wasteland, and he's just fighting those roach creature things. Sp- yeah, Sp- Spider-Man in the lighthouse. Yeah, it would be different, fair enough, but... Yeah. <laughs> kind of want to see that film now. Well, you'd like to see just a shortcut, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Even just a few scenes. Yeah, why not? Um... What did you think of Cassius as a villain? Uh, I think his introduction was really good. I think he was... Uh, I'm trying to think of the right way of describing him, but sort of like quietly menacing. You know, when you're first introduced to him, he's, he's sort of sitting in his... Um, it wasn't sandstone, what's it? Limestone place, speaking yeah. very softly, doing the thing, and you're like... Is this guy going to be the main villain? Surely he's not the main villain. But it turns out he kind of was. It was very good. Yeah, I I, I, I liked him. I really <laughs> did. Yeah, I liked him. Um, I don't know why I laughed there. It was just a delayed reaction to the, the limestone hut kind of thing. But uh, yeah. <laughs> it, I liked Cassius as well, the, 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 the kind of menacing tone. And I also like the fact that he rules out fear completely. No one respects him. No one would respect him. He's just a snivelling loser, essentially. But he's managed to create this situation where he is in charge because people are afraid of him because he controls them with devices and could kill them just by pressing a button. And that's kind of and, and that's kind of evident when his brother shows up. His brother's like, yeah, no one's impressed with this crap. Um, the the fights that he puts on, it's almost like the other the other well to do people that show up are kind of laughing at him a bit. Yeah. Well, that that I liked. I liked the reveal when it comes to the sort of bidding war and everyone is suddenly in uh, trying to gussy up to him. But before that point, everyone sort of looked down on him. Yeah. The only people that are looking up to him are, like you say, the folk that are sort of underneath his thumb. Everyone else is like, yeah, you're in exile. I'm not in exile. I'm, you know, I'm here because it's very important and everyone will see all the important work I'm doing. No, you're in exile. No one likes you. You know, it's that. Yeah. And he has that... Uh that codependent relationship with Sonara, his like personal assassin woman person. Um I thought you were gonna say personal assistant there for a second. Well she pretty much is, yeah. She's like she does all the stuff for him, she goes and kills people for him. I presume she writes reports on the deaths that she's caused and stuff. But they they talk about the relationship being codependent because they helped each other at some point. And um obviously when Daisy kills her uh, with the help of Deke, there's some real anger there. You know, it's like he's really lost something. And and it's at that point where his entire operation is crumbling anyway. 
because they've destroyed the supply of inhuman blood and terrigen crystals. Uh, the slaves have been freed. It's just, it's not looking good for Cassius at that point. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so that's, it's kind of like that. Yeah, he's like this, the, the emperor who's the defeated emperor kind of thing. You know, he has no subjects, he has no loyalty, he has nothing left. And, and that's ultimately why he just decides, I'm just going to take this strength-enhancing drug and beat the crap out of everyone. Yeah, I I sort of liked that at the end he just went, you know, he's he's talking to her. He's so in these I can't remember what the name of the character that's with him is called. He's going, We're hatching a plan as he's talking to the corpse. And you're yeah. thinking, Yeah, the guy has now just truly lost his mind. He's lost his ability to breed in humans, his fail safe plan to blow up the rest of the humans is gone. He's yeah, is just his little fiefdom is being destroyed <laughs> he can't go back home because he killed his brother so it's like yeah he's um yeah i like the fact that he's like well if i'm not getting anything then no one's getting anything i'm just gonna yeah. go out with a bang and then even at the end he still wants to live up to his you know his father's expectations of him as well for some reason you don't find out who his father is although i suspect his father will turn up uh in the present day set portion of the series because mm. it's talking about giving a, a whole world to rule rather than the, you know, the, the the patchwork planet that exists at that point. And they mention something he's like king of a dead planet and things like that as well. You know that that's where he's looked down on. It's something like that. I can't remember the exact words, but it's very poetic and it's you know the you know prince of a dead world or something like that. I can't remember the exact word, but it was good. And, I think he's an interesting villain, one of the more interesting ones they've had because it is literally resources that makes him formidable. And once you take away the resources, there's not much to him. I mean, he was strong enough. He was strong enough to, you know, hurt Mac until Simmons got her own, her own back by deafening him, and then Mac got lit to let loose with a shotgun axe. Oh, the shotgun axe is awesome. My favorite returning character. <laughs> I liked. Um... I like the fact that Simmons put the the little sort of worm thing in his ear. I thought that was that was a neat little little Poetic bit that they justice. did. Yeah, 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 definitely that. And I, I can't remember who who the character is that comments on the shotgun axe. Oh, shotgun axe! Now I get it. <laughs> it was, uh, I, thought I think, was it's, I think it's Flint. It might have been Flint. I, I, I it might have been. I didn't want to say it was Flint because I, I him couldn't or Deke. remember. I think it was Flint. I think you're right, but uh, yeah, yeah. It? yeah. Doesn't that make it harder to shoot people? It makes it easier to stab people. You yeah. Know? <laughs> but yeah, the shotgun axe. It's the most impractical weapon you might think of. It's like a close range weapon that becomes an even closer range weapon. <laughs> <laughs> but that's Mac for you. He's very much a gung ho sort of guy. Just I think yeah. I'd put it very high on my list of zombie apocalypse weapons. And shotgun axe. Yeah, it's the kind of thing I'd expect to see on an episode of The Walking Dead. <laughs> if you ever, if anyone ever still watched The Walking Dead, of course. Yes, those people do exist, though. <laughs> do you? You still watch The Walking Dead? Wow. I still, I still do. I'm a glutton for punishment. Have you not? Have you not found out the number of TV shows that I watch <laughs> that I should have given up years ago? Uh, well, there may not be a a Neil Before Pod Walking Dead conversation because no one watches it. Yeah, it'll just be me in a room going, hello? 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 <laughs> on, Anyone here? Along. Anyone here for the podcast? <laughs> the the Walking Dead? Yeah, it's still on. 
Yeah. Are you are you going to join? No, you're not going to join the podcast. Hello? Anyone? <laughs> be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lasted more than one season. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. So, Cassius, good villain. Uh, you had Grill for a couple of episodes. He was like a... He was a good antagonistic force to have around. Mm. It's very much a, you know, I'm just going to electrocute everyone with my little control panel here until I get crushed by a rock. Yeah, it's, it's one of those going for for anyone that, that doesn't like their boss kind of thing, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine there's some people out there that would love to have the little electrocution button for their staff. Let's face it, you know, and yeah, like you just said, you know, in some offices, if that was legal, it would happen. <laughs> Well, we're not allowed to use the electric shock collars on dogs anymore. Come here, staff. Come here. Come here, boy. It's like we're we are below the dogs. Fantastic. <laughs> um, I liked Flint as a character as well. I think uh, they they could have done a bit more with him, and they could have maybe cast a better actor. Um, but other than that, he was fine. He was very plot focused. They needed him for the plot, but they they did get a bit of father son action in there with him and Mac. Yeah, they got a little bit of the father-son thing going on and the the protection bit from Mac. I Like you say, he was kind of uh, MacGuffin-y for some of it. It's like, oh, he's the thing that we need to make the rest of the plot now work. Because up until that point, we've had no way of putting things together and doing this, but now we've got the character that can handle it, so there we go. Yeah, it's... Yeah. yeah. That was lucky. That was convenient. Imagine if you had only got the power to manipulate cheese. It wouldn't have worked, would it? Yeah, rubbish. someone out there must have that power. Yep. Yeah, the kind of rubbish I'd get if I was a human. <laughs> I mean, human, I can move cheese. I can move cheese. cheese with the power of my mind. <laughs> with the power of my hand. A hand, yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can pick up cheese. That's all I can do. Great. <laughs> <laughs> great yeah it'd be it'd be amazing um what else happened this season so you had the off format episode that was cool um just all sorts of stuff i think uh, i think sometimes the plot moved a bit too quickly and other times it moved a bit too slowly my least favorite episode of the season was where they spent the entire episode trying to get the zephyr to lift off which is the penultimate one yeah, I, I thought, you know, the season's been building up so well, and then there was suddenly this episode where they went, oh, hang on, it's not the mid-season yet, and they just sort of seemed to stop and go, oh, we kind of got too far ahead of ourselves here, and then pulled it all back in. And like you say, it was just sitting there waiting for the Zephyr to take off, and a lot of yeah. arguing about how they were going to do it, and was it going to work, was it not going to work, no. Yeah. Well, that did have some good character moments, but it didn't move quickly enough for me either, it just kind of stalled. Um, the fact that the plane still flies is amazing, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to try and break any of the signs that they do in <laughs> this season down whatsoever. No. It is complete. Yeah, it's okay. There's atmosphere on the surface, but the atmosphere's there because of the gravitonium that's in the zephyr, and there's these gravity storms, and it's going to pick up. But it will drift round and conveniently towards the lighthouse. We think <laughs> there. Well, no, they just needed the gravity storm for lift, and then the engines would. Yeah, fire. and then then the engines will work because the it's engines like are the, um... powered by hope. 
And it's like in Star prayer. Trek Beyond with, uh, in order to make this ship take off, we'll throw it off a mountain. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of a gravity assist, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it. We need to move, yeah. <laughs> Same way I jump-started my van the other week. I, put it, I, I just sort of <laughs> drove it, it downhill. <laughs> drove it off a cliff, yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, yeah, I, the engine's working. Uh-oh. <laughs> we, we we rolled it downhill and we managed to start the engine. So it was, you know, it's the exact same way I imagine with the Zephyr and the, and the new Froster collaborative type thing that they've built. Yes, that fits built in the past, but also the future. Yes. Oh, so confusing. And and he built it in the past because he had already seen it in the future. Yes. So now he knows it works. Yeah, that's it. Chicken and the egg. Yes. It's that paradox. It's so it hilarious. turns out if they had all died in the future, they would have saved the past. Roll credits. Yes. And then Thanos would destroy it anyway. Yeah, Thanos turns turns out, it turn, turns out turns out it was nothing to do with them. Thanos turns up a week later and that's the end of it. The end of all life as we know it. Turned out Medusa did it by accident. <laughs> yeah. With her hair. Her yep. <laughs> she just crushes the earth with her hair. Maybe Black Bolt was snoring. That's what maybe that's what caused it. <laughs> Black Bolt sneezed. He has a cold. <laughs> he has a cold. He got the Just flu. <laughs> he spent so long on the moon. He's never. He's never got immune to the cold. <laughs> and the world ended. That's how it costs. That's, <laughs> how, that's that's how that's that's what causes it. That's my theory. Black Bolt has the flu, and sneezes the Earth out of existence. Why Here not? They might as well bring the Inhumans in, why not? Like, they're not doing anything else. They're never going to be seen again otherwise. It's a, fa- a fan theory uh, section. Yeah, crackpot theories. Bring out your crackpot theories here. This is it. Roll up, roll up. I don't really have many crackpot theories other than somehow they'll find a way to save the planet because they have to, because it's some shared universe. You know, it's like, at least if... Um, and here's one of the pitfalls of a shared universe. If you've got... Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. existing on its own, although it can't because they're an organisation in a universe that's known for Marvel characters without any Marvel characters. That would be very strange. That would be a paradox in itself. Yeah, I think they'll definitely... I think they'll definitely... They're definitely going to be back. They're going to save the world at some point. I think Deke will turn back is my little theory. I think he's transferred over with them. I am looking forward to seeing what has happened while they've been away to the whole political situation. As much as I said I was glad that they were sort of in the future and in space to get away from it, I'm interested in the the little snippets that we got during the Fitz episode. Um, the boss that just decides to wipe two of our own agents out of existence because she's yeah. peeved. There's something, yeah. Obviously, there's something going on there. Yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of looking forward to finding out what the hell they've been up to. You know, what's this that sort of appeared while uh, Shield's been dismantled? And Dove Cameron's going to be in it. She's like some Disney actress. That's a big deal. Apparently, I have no idea who the hell she is. But the promo for the next episode says also featuring Dove Cameron. So I don't know who the hell she is. I I would be googling it in the background if I was being dishonest, but I don't know either. Dove Cameron is an American actress and singer, best known for playing a dual role as both title characters in the Disney Channel teen sitcom Live and Maddie, and playing Mal, daughter of Malice, Maleficent. Oh, 
I still don't know who she is. <laughs> um, she has an Instagram, if anyone's interested. It'll of course she's got notes. an Instagram. All the cool people are on Instagram. Of course she has an Instagram. She's 22. There we go. Yeah. Let's all see us young cool there. people are on Instagram. I'm not on Instagram. Uh, that's what I said. All us young I'm cool people are on Instagram. Yeah, I'm not cool. I never pretended to be cool. She has voiced Gwen Stacy in, in, in Ultimate Spider-Man versus The Sinister Six in 2016. Oh, there you go. She's a... Uh, in Lego Star Wars, the Freemaker Adventures, as Becky Smutchenbacker, whoever that is. Well, she's done a lot then. I kind of look forward to seeing her appear then. And her she's character in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is called Ruby Hale. Which is the General's daughter, I think. It's ah. General Hale, isn't it? It's Hale. Uh, I don't know what rank she is, but it is Hale in the, in the Farmite episode. All right. Yeah. Well, there we go. I look forward to seeing her. Why not? Uh, I don't not look forward to seeing her, I suppose. I have no idea. Uh, but Dove Cameron is in it, and it's a big deal. So if you're a Dove Cameron fan, this is the show for you. Not this podcast. She's never going to be on here. But <laughs> oh, don't say that. Not, not that she's unwelcome, but she's got better things to do. Yeah, she's got a lot. She's got a lot on. <laughs> yeah, she's like a Disney child. She's just, she's just not in any of the stuff that we currently watch. I mean, maybe once I drop The Walking Dead, I'll be able to pick it up. <laughs> You'll be able to watch all this other stuff. Yeah, come watch yeah. your back catalogue. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, uh, Colson's illness. I theorised in my last review that that could be the penance for accepting the Ghost Rider thing. Because remember how he said there would be consequences to that? Ah, okay. Um, there were, and then they, it was never brought up again because they're in the future. Uh, this could but, be the consequence. And there's also... I mean, the thing that bought, brought Coulson back in the first place was like a Cree thing, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. So, could it be some interaction with all that sort of stuff? Something that one of the Cree has brought with him? Potentially? Yeah, Infection-y, disease type yeah. thing? Or even that stuff that um, uh, Cassius had at the end? Mm-hmm. That chemical, because didn't they get didn't they get attacked by a guy with that chemical? Was that Coulson? Yeah, although the implication is that he's been suffering with it for a little while, because you see the bit where um, you know where where his shirt oh, comes slightly open, and he just like oh, and he hides it. Uh, it's the suggestion that suggests to me that he's had it for a while and has been keeping it quiet. Because if he just got it, he'd be like, oh, what's this? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Hey May, have a look at this. What do you think this is? You know, it's almost as if he has a he he knows what that thing is. But because why is he keeping it from his family, essentially? Otherwise, if he doesn't know what it is. Mm. And the only thing I can think of is that it's his con the consequences of him being Ghost Rider for a minute or two. It's the Could only be. thing I can think of. Could be. Let's go Could, for that. They have all the consequences from last season to deal with anyway. You know, the post-framework stuff, you mentioned the political situation. Mm. They've got all this to deal with, and, you know, they've kind of put it on hold. And it's quite interesting how throughout the season you had everyone just putting their emotional issues on hold. And it was like, May said that she just wanted to go to her bed. Like, that was all she wanted. That's, I think it was as simple as that. It was something really innocuous. I think it was her own bed. She just wants to sleep in her own bed. That's it. Nothing else. It's like the simple pleasures that you crave. Well, I mean, the the end of the last season was pretty much they went there to have pie, 
and then they knew they were all going to get taken in at the end. Yeah. We're all going to get arrested. We're all going to get taken away. So let's go. Let's enjoy our last chat and everything together and then we can go. Yeah. So we'll see how that all pans out. Uh, it'll be shield on the run again, won't it? You know, we've had that for like four seasons. Uh, yeah. So I don't think I've got anything else. I can't think of anything else that happened in the season that needs to be discussed. Unless you can. Uh, no, I mean, the, the, the only bit I thought about, and I forgot to mention it when you were talking about the character earlier on, was... Uh, Sort of Shania's power. I don't know if it works the same way as like Yondu's arrow. Oh, or is that like it's an arrow? Sorry, yeah, yeah. the like the two spheres things, and yeah, she's just balls. like yeah. flinging about. Yeah, the balls that she's flinging about. Yeah, it's similar, I suppose. I I didn't know it was like is that um like not a mutant ability, but I know the Kree sometimes have abilities and stuff. Or is that a technological thing? Or is that I don't know. For Yondu, it was definitely technological because he had the, the mohawk. yeah yeah because he had the, the sort of the mohawk thing. <laughs> so that's why I'm sort of comparing it to that because it's someone that's sort of manipulating stuff that way. But I didn't yeah, know it could have been that's... similar, and they're both Kree, so why not? Yeah, yeah, uh, fair enough. Yeah, that was quite cool. I'd forgotten about the. Uh, I, I thought it was just like a, quite a cool, a cool power together or uh, you know something to make her stand out a little bit because it must be tough now when they're sort of coming up and going right okay we need someone with an ability what ability can they have oh let's go to the list what's everyone else done okay they've done that they've done that they've done that oh rubbish right okay what are we left with <laughs> two ball bearings like that'll do <laughs> yeah and the fighting that they they did with her was really cool yeah, although was, they skimped out on the zero G fight, you know they they were oh, for like a second and then fell. That was annoying. To, to give them the credit, though, to give them the credit, like you said at the beginning, some of the CGI they have done at the beginning of this season has been awesome. Well, some of the reveal shots, the destroyed planet, the sort of asteroid field, some of the the sort of uh, ship flying stuff has been great looking. Mm. absolutely brilliant stuff um i even quite like the sort of title card thing that they made for it with the the sort of split earth underneath yeah. it i thought it looked quite neat um but i think some of the cgi stuff they did this the beginning of this has been very very good so yeah i'm i'm definitely interested to see <laughs> how they how they top that you know Maybe maybe this is the season where they flip it round the other way they have a slightly uh, slightly cheaper second half hopefully not well, I think the the second half you'll be back to shield bases and whatever special effects they would normally use, so they'll they'll get back to whatever was whatever's familiar for the show now. Uh, the hundredth episode's coming up, and it's been promised it's promised that it will be heartbreaking. We'll see if it's heartbreaking. Is it a musical episode? No, it is not. Not oh, that I know of. Damn. Although I know that uh, Chloe Bennett can sing. She was in Nashville. Which Do you think it'll be watched. an excuse for flashbacks episode? Maybe. Maybe they'll even have someone who's been in Marvel films turn up. Oh. I don't actually know. I haven't read any teasers that suggest that that might be happening. But, you know, maybe maybe Nick Fury will pop by to say hello. Who have we got that's really cheap that we can drop in at the last minute? I Samuel L. Jackson. Chuck him in. Why not? Yeah, we can get random Samuel L. cameo at the end. Or they could just, like, 
They could just follow Robert Downey Jr. with a camera and pretend that he's an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> Superimpose him in. Yeah, well, not even that. You know, they would just follow him around with a camera. It's like, even behind the scenes on, like, Avengers 4, you can see the trailer <laughs> in the background. There's loads of cameras everywhere. <laughs> The big green screen that he's going to stand in front of in a minute, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I have the horrible feeling it'll be some sort of excuse to do flashbacky stuff. It'll be like an interrogation not. or trying to debrief Coulson on what's happened or something, and it'll be a ton of flashbacks going, all oh, right, let me take you back to the beginning. I hope not, because the 100th episode should be a, a, a celebration. I like a lot of these things. I hope they don't cheap out and do that. I hope they, they do something a bit different. I think it would be great if they could try and get some proper big guest stars in or do something a bit, like you say, a big celebration. Try and bring back some people. Try and give them a, a good, you know, a good birthday thing. But I think if there was anything massive, it probably would have been spoiled by now, to be honest. Maybe, yeah. Um... We'll soon find out. I can't remember when it actually is, but it's relatively soon. Fifth season of 22 episode seasons is pretty much your 100th episode anyway, all the time. So, uh, yeah, so it'll be, it'll be sometime in the next couple of episodes, and I'm sure I'll love it. And I think the most sedate 100th episode I've ever seen was in Supernatural, where they stay in a hotel room that's, that's room 100. And huh. that's all they do. The rest of it's just a normal episode. The 200th episode was great, though. And I'm sure the 300th episode will be great as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's season 15, which isn't too far away. Oh, man. This isn't the Supernatural podcast. Right, so I don't have anything else to cover. I think we've discussed the season, the half season, as much as possible uh, without, I don't know, without reviewing every single episode, which I've already done. So check it out. Read my reviews of all ten episodes. Although it's only nine reviews because I did the first two as one or because they aired at the same time. So there. Uh, have you got anything else? Any thoughts to leave us on? Uh, no, I think I've said everything incoherently as normal. So, um, uh, yeah, I think... I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm interested to see what they say. I, like I say, the majority of the times the second half of the season has always been, in my opinion, better than the first. So if it jumps up from here, then it'll be a spectacular end to the season. Yeah, and possibly the series if it doesn't get renewed. But let's hope it gets renewed. Um, I quite like the show. I'd like to see it stick around. Yeah. Please, please renew it. Yeah. And well, and while while we're on it, UK TV stop banding it about the schedules like a weird wacky yo-yo. <laughs> UK TV distributors, if you're listening, then whatever. Yeah, no. this is your warning. This is it. This is your final warning. Yeah, yeah, mostly because we have no power. You'd be and- tilt. <laughs> we will use the massive clout of this podcast, and it is a big clout. Take our words for it. Yeah, that's it. Clout. We have all sorts of clout. We have four different secret bases for hiding our clout, and you will never find them all. And Dove Cameron actively ignores our requests for interviews. <laughs> That's how much clout we've got. It she is knows massive. we exist and avoids and us. It is. <laughs> <laughs> but if we you didn't... know, it's like it's like any good stalker. They know we exist. That's enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're not stalking Dove Cameron. I only found out who she was today. So, yeah. So this is the beginning of me stalking Dove Cameron. 
<laughs> Everyone will ask, when did it, when did it begin? Oh, it was <laughs> in that podcast that began. Excellent. That was it. That was it. Yeah. Okay, so without further ado, I think we should go back through our monolith and then start this podcast all over again, because that's what happens. We're stuck in a time loop. The rest of our lives just talking about the first half of season five of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And through the loop we should go. Uh, yes, back through the loop. Hello, and welcome to another super-secret edition of Neil Before Pod. I'm your host, Craig McKenzie, and it's time for us to take you back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe to talk about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 5. The show went on a brief hiatus recently at the conclusion of the opening arc of the season, and we're here to talk about it. Joining me at the cheaper end of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is Agent Chris. Only kidding. This podcast isn't caught in a time loop, at least not right now. That was our discussion in the first half of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 5. Thanks to YouTuber nstens1117 for the supplied music. And if you like what you heard, then please do subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or any major podcasting app. And then please join us for the next Neil Before Pod. (laughs) 